Welcome to the Visual Artist Spotlight, the podcast where we interview artists from around the world, discovering how their world inspired their art. I'm your host, Miko Hayashi, leader of the Stitch and Bitch Club on Clubhouse and owner of Mimi Hana Threads, a handmade 3D embroidery company that creates beautiful wearable art accessories. Today's guest is Jaslyn Sabri, a painter based in New Jersey. Her art is inspired by social justice and also using art as a form of therapy. To see examples of her work, visit Jaslyn Sabri on Instagram. That is J-A-Z-L-Y-N-E-S-A-B-R-E-E. Today, I am interviewing Jaslyn Sabri. Please let me know if I said your last name correctly. Is that correct? Yes, that's actually my middle name. My last name is Wooden, so um, I go by Jaslyn Sabri, yeah. All right, well, thanks for telling me. Let's have you introduce yourself first. Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Jaslyn Sabri, and I am an artist based in New Jersey. I've been an artist pretty much all of my life. Lately, I would say in the past three years, I started my art business and have just been really moving forward in sales and in creating. There's a lot behind that, too. Yeah, I went to college at Clarkland University, and I have my Bachelor in Fine Arts. That's where I actually met AC. Hey, AC down there. I graduated from there. And then I also, while I was in at Clark Atlanta, I studied abroad in Florence, Italy. And that just really solidified my passion for creating as an adult. After I graduated, I began teaching and then returned to school for art education. Throughout that whole journey, continued creating. But again, it was in the last three years where I've made a recommitment to my art to be more consistent and to really reap all of the benefits of who I am. I'm going to start with your beginnings way, way back, your beginnings as a creative individual. I want to ask you, uh, who was a creative model to you as a child growing up? I was thinking a lot about that. Looking back, I can't really say there was one specific person. I just remember when I was three, my mom bought me a coloring book and some crayons. I just remember really loving the act of mark making on paper. I remember one of my very first major artworks was a UFO when I was in preschool. So (laughs) I didn't choose art. It chose me. I wouldn't say that I really had any role models. I do remember, though, I had an aunt. She was a lot younger, so she didn't want to see herself as an aunt. She was more like a big cousin or a big sister. She would always draw with my brother. I was much younger than them. And I will always try to go and get her materials and draw in her notebooks and ask her to teach me bubble letters and things like that. And as younger preteens do, she rejected me. And I feel like sometimes that rejection kind of propelled me like, oh, I'll show you. I became the main reader in our family. But I also come from a very creative background. My father is a organist and a singer. My brother is a sound engineer. He's actually like won several Emmys. I think that creativity is just in us. We were also very involved in performing arts for our entire childhood. I was, I was raised in the church. So if anyone knows the black church, I was on the children's choir and I was on the praise dance team and my dad was on the organ. My brother was on the drums. I really just grew up surrounded by so many different facets of creativity. 
that I think that it's just always been a part of me and it's just shown itself more prominently through visual art. It sounds like actually your family is really close together. Are you, do you feel like you guys are really tightly knit? Oh, yes. We are a very close-knit family, for sure. April is a huge month in our family for birthdays and things. So we actually like got together and were able to really celebrate and things like that. We're a big family reunion family, a big church family. My aunt has a prayer line. We're very, we're very tight-knit. Do you feel like since you are also part of a church community, does the community also have any influence on you as a creative individual growing up as well? I mean, I would say outside of giving me a greater sense of courage and a greater understanding of limitless possibility and limitless opportunity, I think that really goes a long way. Otherwise, not in the sense that I create religious paintings or anything like that. But I think more on a spiritual level, more on a mental level in terms of like motivation, inspiration and the courage to really put myself out there in ways. How about any outside influence that made you want to say that, yes, I'm going to be an artist when I grow up? I'm wondering if there's anything that really stands out for you that made you feel that this is part of your identity. I feel like it's, it's very layered. That's a very complex question. I feel like there were some things that I went through just being African-American in this country. Some of the experiences that I've had growing up caused me to really hone in on my creativity. When I was growing up, my father was battling a drug addiction. That was really hard for me to deal with. Sometimes I would just draw. I would draw all day, draw all night. When I'm in school, I would draw and it just helped me to get through so much emotional trauma. All situations in life, I feel like one thing that I could always return to was my pencil. That's the biggest thing I could even say in the past three years. When I made that recommitment to moving forward with my artistry, it was in 2018 where I opened up my website. And it was right around the time that I was actually diagnosed with lupus. And so that was almost like a reminder to me that art is always there for me. Whenever there's a huge cloud over my head or just a lot of emotional trauma or mental struggle, I always seem to return to art. I definitely feel that mental wellness and emotional health and all of those things are a major influence in my art, along with my passion for social justice and activism as well. Watching my father go through some of the things that he'd gone through as a Black man that also opened my eyes to a lot. My work actually, it balances the two. So you'll see a lot of work that are very heavily focused and influenced by social justice, specifically the struggle of African-American people, debunking stereotypes and things like that. But then you'll also see me in between those heavier subjects take breaks to create abstracts or peaceful paintings that also help me to step back from a lot of those heavy subjects because they can be very stressful and make sure that I'm taking care of my mental health as well by going into more peaceful themes. So I have several different collections that you will be able to experience all of these different, um, these different layers. It's, like I said, it's a very layered answer. Tell me about your decision to go to college. Did you immediately decide that art would be your major or am I incorrect in assuming that was your chosen focus? Miko, that is a very good question. So when I decided to go to college, it was always something I wanted to do. 
I didn't always know what I wanted to go for. I knew it would either be art or psychology. When I decided to go, when I applied, I applied for psychology, but before I left, I changed it to art. And when I got there, I went to college very far away from home. I was born and raised in New Jersey, and I went to college all the way in Atlanta, Georgia. I was just like kind of freaking out. (laughs) I was a very sheltered child, so it was the first time that I had so much freedom. It was the first time I was so far away from home for such an extended period, and it was just the heaviness of new adulthood. I had a hard time in my first year, actually, as an art major. A lot of it was also with my ego. You know, you start with foundations. And I was just like, I can't walk this many miles to go here and learn how to mix the color purple. So I actually struggled a lot in that first year. I also really needed a lot of financial support to get through school. So it was suggested to me to switch my major to journalism. That was a terrible decision for me, but I did it. And I was a journalism major for about, I want to say, about two years in college. I was on Dean's List, so I balanced everything out and I figured it out and I got on Dean's List as a journalism major. But I just, I just realized that I was so miserable. I'm not someone who reports news. You know, I mean, I guess in a way I am with my, with my paintings, but. It was just very miserable for me as a journalism major, even though I did well. I feel like as a creative, it's easy to go into other creative fields. And with journalism being writing, it was easy for me to get by, but it just wasn't my passion. I remember one day when I was choosing classes, I was still a journalism major. I was choosing my classes and I said, I'm just going to choose some electives in the art complex. And I took a drawing course and I remember My professor, Professor Christopher Hickey, he's a well-known artist in Georgia as well. He was just like, why are you not an art major? (laughs) And I talked to him and he became my advisor and I went back. And I remember going back and I went back full speed. When I went back, I applied for a study abroad and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to like make up for all of the lost time. So I did actually spend five years in college because I switched to journalism and then switched back to art. So that is actually my college story. That's why I said that was a really good question because it was actually a very interesting college experience for me. I'm actually interested that you temporarily choose journalism because it does sort of tie in with your art. Do you feel like that had any impact when you were making art in college as well? Or did that come after? Wow, Miko, I actually think you're pulling things out of me because when you look at it that way, it really could have had a major influence because I remember taking courses in college like communications and propaganda and society. And I remember that course being so intriguing to me. I didn't necessarily love it because, again, it was just so much news. It was around the time, wow, it was around the time of Trayvon Martin's killing that I was taking that class. And we were talking so heavily about that. And we were involved in the protests on campus. That was like the subject of the course. And we were talking about how propaganda has been used to oppress, really focused on social justice issues. And I also, Clarkland University is a historically Black university. That was our livelihood. Um, and so I think that my experience as a journalism major probably definitely added so much knowledge to what I create today in terms of the subjects that I speak out about and the research that I conduct as well. 
now that I'm really looking at it, I do see those connections. Yeah, I figured I was wondering because you can be a painter, but the subjects that you paint about somehow they have to come from somewhere. And I think that's what I'm really interested in is trying to find out what the background of that is for you. You also mentioned that your journalism, this class was happening during the killing of Trayvon Martin. And that must have been such a heavy hitting experience, especially when you're in a place where you can actually talk to people in your classroom about it. Did the study of how the media unveils that news, did that somehow have an impact on your creative side as well? I think so. I mean, I think that I've just always been so passionate about social justice. I mean, I grew up in a predominantly black suburb and it's a very unique place. It's situated in New Jersey. We've always highlighted black culture and celebrated who we were as black people in our community. And going to an HBCU that was doing the same thing, I do feel like that strengthened my voice a lot. I was able to study a lot deeper into the issues that are affecting the African-American community and just the country at large, really going and digging deep into American history, developing a greater understanding of what's really going on in terms of oppression, marginalization, stereotyping, diversity, equity, inclusion, all of these ideals, really understanding them a little deeper. And I feel like definitely my time as a journalism major informed all of that and again, how my work addresses certain stereotypes. Like, for example, in my tribute to African-American men, it highlights African-American men as the dad of the year for the year 2020. I mean, this this past year has been so rough. And shout out to all of the dads, all of the moms who have been home with their families and still finding a way to provide. But we know that there's this stereotype there that Black men just aren't present which is so not the case. The majority of Black men are present, and so I address that in the work. I definitely think the way that the news manipulates the news, right, manipulates stories, informs my work because I try to unmanipulate those stories or, you know, present a clearer picture of the truth. Yeah, I was looking at your work. It's very Black positive, and I love that. I really love to see more work like that and also, of course, defeating the stereotypes that surrounds the Black narrative. I want to talk a little bit more about the work itself. Any works that you've completed that have a story behind it that you've done specifically, if there's anything that you'd like to share? Sure. So my most current project is the Melanin series. Those are the pieces that are just really social justice heavy. I'm working on a collection of 10 pieces right now to show. I want to say that body of work was birthed during the time of the George Floyd shooting, which like, wow, you know, <laughs> that yeah, I'm talking right. about this yeah. today. And, and also the um, the news yeah. that came out, you know, just today, right? Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, yeah. So it's definitely a great day in the community. That body of work was birthed out of that. You'll see certain themes join the movement to change America. Um, you'll see the new New Negro movement. It's kind of like a play on the original New Negro movement during the Harlem Renaissance, where there was protest and there was a lot of the same things that we're seeing today. But today, the Black community is obviously a lot different. And the footprint that our ancestors left 
for us and the blueprint that they gave us has really just evolved the community so much today where I really see so many people stepping up as activists and and not necessarily waiting for a leader, but becoming a leader themselves. I'm just really excited about that series. Like I said, it can be very heavy as I'm researching certain topics. It's actually a play on Ebony Magazine in a sense, but I'm researching to find these headlines that are very relevant to the struggles that the community is facing today. And in my newest piece, I'm talking about what are the ways that Black women are healing themselves and things like that. What ways are they cleansing the soul? And so just doing research into the Black community, doing research into Black history, American history, to really pull in these themes and these headlines, these cover lines that really speak to what's happening in the Black community today. It's like you don't like what the news is putting out there on a daily basis. And so you're just saying, okay, well, I got some other news for you. <laughs> and you're, you're making it into a work of art. And I think that's really amazing because I, well, I saw the images of you painting, you know, the magazine cover art. And that was very an original idea. Do you have a favorite of the series so far? Or how many of those pieces have you made yet? It's so difficult to choose. Uh, I'm on the fourth one now. Um, so I am, I, I don't, oh, what's my favorite one? That is, I can't, I can't choose. I love them. So far, I have three that are complete. I just love them all the same because they all have a different message. A tribute to African American men is just really celebrating the black man and his contribution and how we have to really stand together to protect black men. We see black men constantly being gunned down in the street or being oppressed in so many ways, financially, emotionally, mentally. We just see so much oppression coming after the black man. And so that painting just holds a certain place in my heart. I have a black father. I have a black brother. And so it speaks to me. I get very emotional about that piece. The second one is uh, building the sisterhood, loving the community, saving the world. And that piece just speaks to Black women just like kind of doing their thing in terms of starting businesses and becoming educated and just having a spiritual connection, spiritual foundation, living their dreams, living life freely, not being bound by the restrictions that society tries to impose, but also sticking together and supporting one another, using that to continue to build the community forward. By doing that and by becoming strong themselves and by, by bettering the communities, I do believe that in a sense, it is saving the world. It is making the world a better place. It is leveling the playing field. It is inching us closer towards true equality. And then the Black woman, that's the newest piece. And I can't say it was birthed when Kamala Harris became the first vice president, but it was definitely finished during that time. Some of these pieces have taken me months to finish because, again, I just have to like sometimes step back and, and really research and be thoughtful about the decisions I make. Once Kamala Harris became the first Black female vice president, that just really inspired a lot of those cover lines for me. So, yeah, I can't choose. <laughs> I can't choose one. They're all so I'm so emotionally attached to all of them. I get it. Yeah, I I have the you know same feeling with my pieces. It's a different medium than yours. I totally understand. I kind of want to go back to last year in May. 
as you know, I'm American, but I live in Japan. Actually, quite a few of my friends that I have here are also American and we live in Japan as well. So for us living here, we saw what was happening on the news, but that was our only source of information. And so we kind of got it like looking through a window through a filter here. I was wondering if you had joined any of the protests. Did you actually? We did actually go to Washington, D.C. with our children, and we happenstanced upon a protest that we joined. Originally, we wanted to join, but I have two young children. They just had birthdays, so now they're two and five, and it was a pandemic, so we couldn't necessarily leave them with anyone or anything like that. And we didn't know how to feel about taking our children into a situation that could be dangerous with the way that the police were retaliating against even peaceful protests. We stepped back a little bit. We ended up making signs with our kids so that they could be a part of the protest without physically being there. And then when the Black Lives Matter Boulevard was painted, we were like, okay, we have to go to Washington, D.C. And it was towards the end of the protest, so we weren't expecting to actually see one. But once we got there, we stood there and we joined in on the protest and we chanted with them and we participated in that way, in a way that our family could be seen. So when you were at that protest, what was the energy like? I mean, did it feel like it was a peaceful energy of everybody coming together? Can you describe the experience while you were in it? It was definitely peaceful. I mean, even the fact that I felt safe to stay there and while I had my children with me, it was definitely a peaceful protest. They were circling the block and chanting out about no justice, no peace. Even that we're peaceful, it's, that, that gets complex for me because it's like, how, what is the standard for peace when people who look like you are being murdered in cold blood? What is the standard for peace? when you're not receiving justice, when there's been so much quote-unquote peaceful protest and the same things are happening, right? Progress seems very far away. I think that's why today is just such a glorious day in the Black community, seeing that finally we are holding police officers accountable. Finally, Black lives are mattering. I think that it was definitely peaceful, but I also think that we're peaceful can be very objective. Because again, it depends on your perspective. Some people are threatened by the saying, no justice, no peace. They shouldn't be because you should just grant people justice. That's my thoughts on that. I think it was definitely safe. No one was out to harm anyone. No one was destroying anything. People were making their presence known and taking up space. For me, I'm getting the filtered version here. And so the news is really feeding back the stuff that makes the news, which is, you know, the sensational stuff. Yeah, for sure. So I guess my question is for you, how did you feel the ratio of peaceful protests versus the ones that the news decides to show? <laughs> oh, yeah, there were so many peaceful protests. I mean, you know, we would drive around and we would definitely engage that way. There would be people on the sides of the roads with their signs, beep if you stand against injustice and things like that. And so there was so much more. We've driven through so many protests and there was nothing negative about it. Nothing bad was happening. I think that the news highlights propaganda. <laughs> they highlight 
what feeds their narrative. Unfortunately, the narrative in this country is that the Black people are the bad guys, even when we're trying to stand up against the bad guys. Obviously, as a Black person, I know a lot of Black people, and a lot of them were protesting and were actually out there on the ground in front of the police. And as a Black person, the most aggressive part of that whole time was the police and how they responded to peaceful protests. When you're protesting peacefully and you're standing there and you're not destroying anything and you're protesting outside of the White House and then the president comes out and you guys are pepper sprayed and tear gassed and all of this and you were peaceful. That's the side that the news was not showing is that it's actually the reaction from the police that seemed the most aggressive. And what was even for me to take my children and join, that was the dangerous part for me. I get it because I didn't find out from the news that it was the reaction from the police, but I did find out from people who are on the scene. So I'm going to take this back now to your art and how it all ties in because of all of this stuff, especially from last year and the whole accumulation for this. You did talk about a positive image for Black community that you're trying to convey. For people who don't really understand your background and where you're coming from, if you were to put your message into one phrase, could you? I mean, what what would you want to convey through the paintings that you're making? I just want people to be inspired by the truth in terms of the social justice work. I want them to be inspired by the truth. I want to change the narrative. There's just been, for too long, such a negative narrative of lies <laughs> regarding Black culture, Black people. And so I just want people, when they see the paintings, to be informed. I guess that's why I kind of coupled it with journalism, because it, it gives it a, a more sense of truth. I just want them to be inspired by the truth and to appreciate Black culture to see everyone as equals so that we can all, you know, kill this crazy world a little bit more. I love that. I, I love the <laughs> inspired by the truth. I think that's that's really great, solid <laughs> in a short where, yeah, I, I love that. That's, that's great. The last question, um, then we can open it up to the audience. For you, then, what does it mean to you to be a social justice artist or, in general, just an artist. How does that define you as a Black female artist as well? Do you want to be seen only as the social justice artist or do you want to be seen as an artist as a whole? I guess I would say that I want to be seen as an artist, right? I don't think that and maybe that's something I've struggled with as well. I, I can't necessarily be put into a box because yes, I paint these social justice pieces and a large part of my work goes into that. But then I also paint pieces that are geared more towards just mental wellness and spiritual healing and so many other themes come out of me. I feel like sometimes that that's a challenge for me as an artist because people sometimes it's easier for people to put you in a box and say, yeah, okay, this is what this person does. A lot of people in the art world will say you should have a certain look, you should have a certain theme, and that's just your forever thing. But for me, I guess in my unique situation, being a Black female artist who is passionate about social justice, 
but who also has a daily battle with chronic illness, it's a little different for me because I literally have to take breaks from those heavier themes for my own well-being. I think I definitely want to be seen as an artist. I think that's something that has been an issue in the art world where they label someone as, oh, this is a Black artist or this is a this artist or that artist. When in reality, we're just all artists who have a lot to say. So I hope that answers your question. That's a great response. And I totally agree. I think it's also a part of the narrative that we always get. Because it is easier for us as human beings to categorize people, but that ends up being not to that person's benefit at the same time, right? I did kind of skip over your diagnosis as someone who has lupus. Would you like to talk more about how that ties in with your work or your progress? Does that also affect you in a creative or artistic way? It's like I was saying, so when I graduated college, I was... I was working primarily as a teacher. My goal was to become an art teacher. I've been an art teacher now for four years. In 2018, after suffering with certain symptoms for a very long time, I would even say my whole life, I was finally diagnosed. That was heavy. That was really heavy for me. I was, I've always been a really vibrant, healthy, like spunky person. And to understand what was actually happening to me, where sometimes I can't even walk, right? I have to take sometimes three days in bed to let my knee heal because my body just attacks itself. It was a big shift for me. And when I was diagnosed and I learned about what I was actually dealing with, it just pushed me right back into the art as the focus because I was in education. But it shifted my focus back to art. And it's like I said, I feel like anytime life comes at me hard, I run back to art full speed. It brings me so much healing. Sometimes if I'm having a bad day, I go and paint. It does relax me. Lupus is an illness that is is heavily impacted by stress. And I'd even say this pandemic has been so productive for me in terms of creating because it's been so stressful. Again, stress thrusts me right back into the art and so I've literally this past year have been painting probably more consistently than I ever have in my life, whereas I'm painting every day, which has been really good for my business and things like that, but just has been really good for my mental well-being and just my spiritual health. In a sense, I can thank lupus a little bit. <laughs> I guess I can thank lupus a little bit for returning me to my truest calling and to the thing in life that has always brought me the most joy and the most peace. I feel that for you, from what you've told me, that art is your form of personal therapy. That's such a good way to express yourself and to get out what you're feeling inside as well. Yeah, for sure. I just finished grad school, so... This is going to be like super future, but I definitely want to explore art therapy and go back for my certification there as well, because I really do believe that art has just ways of healing in so many ways, like not just in healing our world with these inspiring pieces that highlight the truth, but healing the world through beauty and through peace and through patterns. And there's so many ways that art heals us color theories, just so many ways. I definitely have experienced that in my own life, dealing with my own 
traumas from childhood through adulthood, yes, it is so therapeutic. That's something that I feel like everyone should do. You don't have to have been doing it your whole life. Like just pick up a pencil, pick up a paintbrush and, and create and you will feel like amazing. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, I feel that too. And also a note to the listeners out there, don't worry if it looks good or not, you know, (laughs) just make it. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to open it up now to the audience. So if anybody has any questions, please feel free to ask and raise your hand. Okay, Hannah has a question. Hello, Hannah. Thanks for joining in. Here with my toddler. Sorry that he's loud. Um, I did. My one question is, I joined a little bit late, so I missed if you called out your handle, like on Instagram or Facebook, or you know, if you have a store or whatever. So I'm wondering if you could, um, Jasmine, just one more time, just share that with us. So it's all Jasmine Sabri. So that's Jasmine Sabri on Instagram, Facebook.com slash Jasmine Sabri, Jasmine and Jaslyn Sabri on Twitter. All right, we have any other questions? AC. Hi, AC. Thank you for joining. Hey, yeah. So, no, first, you know, um, Jaslyn, I, 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 I was like shocked. I was like, oh, hey, Jaslyn, like, that's my homie. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy, though. It's like, I didn't know the, the second half. Like, you know, I kind of knew you before. It was just super cool to hear that, you know, from you and to know you. And, uh, I just want to say that you know, I'm proud of you. So. Thanks, AC. I appreciate you. I guess that's it then. Uh, Jaslyn, thank you so much for joining me and taking the time to talk with me. And Hannah and AC, thank you for also joining up here as well. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It was really nice talking with you and getting to know your story. I really appreciate sure. it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the Visual Artist Spotlight. Make sure to subscribe to my Instagram page at Mimi Hana Threads, M-I-M-I-H-A-N-A-T-H-R-E-A-D-S, to get updates on when new episodes will be released. You can also follow the Stitch and Bitch Club on Clubhouse to participate in live interviews and get to ask the artist a question. If you enjoyed what you've been hearing, I appreciate any donations you can make. Head over to paypal.me slash threads. I do not have a production team and I make these podcast episodes in my own time and appreciate any support you can give. Next time on the Visual Artist Spotlight. By the end of the painting, because I painted for about five hours straight, it had all these shares, it had like 8,000, 9,000 views. My goal was to give it to the mom, the Ahmaud Arbery's mother. What ended up happening was I got in contact with the mom through the video. Um, people were sharing it and tagging her and stuff like that. So I delivered it. I drove it up to Georgia, delivered that to her. And then it was just like back to back, like the Breonna Taylor, then the you know George Floyd. It, it started happening back to back. So I, I did the Breonna Taylor one and I delivered that one up to Kentucky to Breonna Taylor's mom. That's next time on the Visual Artist Spotlight. Thank you for listening.